Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey good morning everyone thank you all for joining us and welcome to the state street pavilion at fenway park last week the boston red sox announced the hiring of craig breslow as chief baseball officer Craig is here today to take your questions, along with President and CEO Sam Kennedy. Before we get to your questions, I'd like to turn it over to Sam for opening remarks. Thank you, uh, Abby. Good morning, everybody. Wow, this is uh, quite a turnout for the re-signing of a left-handed uh, journeyman reliever. Thank you uh, all for being here. This is quite, uh, quite a crowd. Um, it is really an honor uh, for me to introduce Craig Breslow uh, as our new Chief Baseball Officer. Uh, On behalf of John and Linda Henry, of our Chairman Tom Werner, Fenway Sports Group President Mike Gordon, uh, and our entire Fenway Sports Group partnership, some of whom are here today, um, congratulations, Craig, uh, and welcome home to Kelly Carter, Mason and Livia, uh, who are trading in their Cubs garb for uh, their hometown team's wear. Uh, today uh, marks the end of an intense seven-week search process, uh, and it represents a new chapter for our baseball operation. Throughout the process, Craig clearly emerged as the ideal choice to lead the Boston Red Sox baseball operation for three primary reasons. Number one was his unmatched clarity of vision for the department and especially his plans that he articulated for player acquisition, player development, and ultimately player performance at every level of the organization. 
Second was his baseball intelligence. You may, you may have noticed that's been widely reported on. Um, Craig is a problem solver of the highest order. He literally turned himself into a big leaguer and turned himself into a front office executive using innovative and non-traditional methods. Finally, what stood out to us was his incredible experience as a Major League Baseball player. He played for seven Major League teams over a span of 13 years. And most importantly to us, he played right here in Boston at Fenway Park. And Craig knows firsthand what it takes and what it means to win here. And ultimately, he knows what our fans expect and what they deserve. So before I turn it over to Craig, there are uh, several people that we need to thank uh, on behalf of John and Tom and Mike. First, I want to thank our baseball operations department. They did not miss a beat over the last six or seven weeks. Thanks to Eddie Romero, Raquel Ferreira, Mike Groupman, Brian O'Halloran, and their teams. My teammates in the front office who participated in the process and supported the organization during the transition. The Red Sox alumni who offered advice, counsel, and wisdom throughout the process. I want to thank the candidates for this job who thoughtfully presented their vision and ultimately made this a very difficult decision for us when it came down to make the final call. I want to thank baseball executives across the game who helped us vet a wide range of candidates. And specifically, I want to thank Tom Ricketts, Crane Kenny, and Jed Hoyer of the Chicago Cubs who graciously supported Craig's candidacy. And with that, I'll turn it over to the new Chief Baseball Officer for the Boston Red Sox, Craig Breslow. Good morning. Thanks, Sam. Uh, first, I'd like to thank John, <clears throat> Tom, Mike, and Sam for engaging me in this process and ultimately for entrusting me uh, with executing our shared vision for building a sustainable winter here in Boston. I'd also like to thank the Ricketts, Jed Hoyer, Carter Hawkins, and the rest of the Cubs family for affording me my first opportunity in a front office, uh, for investing in me, and for challenging me every day. Uh, to my parents, Ann and Abe, my sister Leslie, for standing by my every decision, including the one to forego medical school in pursuit of an additional season of independent ball. Uh, to my twin boys, Mason and Carter, my daughter, Livia, uh, you've been on this <clears throat> crazy ride since the day that you were born. Thank you for always uh, awaiting me at the front door with a hug and a smile, even when I gave up a game-winning home run or <laughs> traded away your favorite player. <laughs> And <clears throat> to my wife, Kelly, your counsel and wisdom and insight has been invaluable to me, not just in this process, uh, but since we met over a decade ago, uh, your support has been unwavering, and I couldn't imagine being here without the countless sacrifices that you made for me and for our family. Thank you. I love you guys. So I've watched a lot of baseball games at Fenway Park. Some from the stands, some from the bleachers, but most from the bullpen. I know what it's like to put on a Red Sox jersey, 
to jog through the bullpen gate across freshly cut outfield grass. So I know what it's like to stand on the mound in front of tens of thousands of the most passionate fans in the game, to feel the cool fall breeze hit the Red Sox jersey. And I know what it's like to hoist a World Series trophy overhead, the culmination of a group of people coming together to accomplish something that they couldn't have alone. I know what it means to win in Boston. Red Sox fans deserve a standard of quality and consistency. Quality, meaning a team that can win the AL East and contend for a World Series title, and consistency, meaning we can do this year after year after year. That unwavering commitment to building a sustainable winner is a position that I share with John, with Tom, with Mike, with Sam, with Alex, with the rest of the front office. And it's one that we will pursue relentlessly by building around an exciting young core, by pursuing aggressively the development of our players, including those at the major league level, and by deploying our players in a way that creates the most favorable matchups possible. I understand that some of you will see me as another Ivy League nerd with a baseball front <laughs> office job. It's true. I am that. But I'm also a 13-year big leaguer and a 2013 Boston Red Sox World Series champion. And I know what it takes to win here, and I'm willing to make the hard decisions necessary to deliver. My contribution to winning in this role will be different than it was back then. But one thing remains constant. My desire to win today is as strong as it was as a player, and I can't wait to get started. Thank you. At this time, we'll begin with questions. Please raise your hand and wait for the microphone. Hey, Craig, uh, welcome back. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to see um, where you see this organization at right now and um, you know, what it's going to take to get it to, to where it needs to be, both this coming year and kind of in a broad sense. Sure. So, you know, let me let me start by saying there are a lot of great things happening with the Red Sox. There are a lot of great people in uh, in this organization and baseball operations who have been here for a really long time and seen a ton of success. Uh, this last week has kind of been an exercise and not just hitting the ground running, but trying to hit the ground sprinting and get up to speed as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, my my intentions over the next few weeks are to learn as much as I can to be able to answer that question. Uh, but the one thing that I, I'm very, very excited to point to is the emergence of this really exciting young core, uh, some of whom is contributing right now at the major league level, uh, some who are reaching the upper levels of the minor leagues, and some who candidly are not here uh, just yet. Um, you plan on naming a general manager or any other people from outside onto your staff? Yeah, uh, as is going to kind of be a recurring theme here, I'm trying to get up to speed as quickly as I, I possibly can. I think the most prudent path right now is to evaluate uh, the, the landscape. I think over time, the, the right profile, the right thought partner uh, will avail itself. But, uh, you know, currently I'm not feeling a rush to do that. I think there's uh, some other decisions that are more pressing. 
did you really trade your kid's favorite player? Who was it? And in what way did that prepare you for kind of the reaction you might get from Boston fans? When you... No. Uh, so I, I had take, I had been an active participant participant in, uh, you know, some of the most volatile and active, uh, trade deadlines over the last few years in Chicago. And, uh, my, my kids, as all of you will quickly, uh, come to realize are, uh, avid and passionate fans of whichever team I'm currently with. Um, so short of naming names, the, the answer is yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, every, every decision is, is unique, right? Um, you know, I kind of spoke to, uh, at a high level, what the vision that I have is for, for this team. I think there are a lot of really uh, exciting players here. I also know that part of building a consistent winner at the major league level is making really bold, difficult decisions. And some of those include uh, favorite players, and some of those include leveraging prospect capital to, uh, to enhance your major league team. Uh, Craig, to your right, uh, if we were here 50, 60 years ago, there'd be a GM, a scouting director, a farm director. In the year 2023, there's a ex very extensive uh, flowchart within this organization. Uh, to follow up on Pete's question, as you evaluate and as you make moves, it's, it's reasonable that you'll bring people in. Does that mean that people have to move out? Uh, will there be changes within the flowchart of the organization once you get settled in? Uh, you know, kind of difficult for me to answer that question right now. I think in, in certain ways, change is good. I think attrition can be good. I think it's important to bring fresh perspective and new ideas into the fold. I also think it's important to, uh, to, to lean on people who have been really successful and are continuing to contribute. I think, uh, you know, kind of the... The, the picture that I have in my head is we want to create an efficient and effective baseball operation, right? And that means that we're firing on all cylinders, we're functioning at a very high level, but we're also limiting uh, redundancy and, uh, and, and narrowing gaps to the extent we can. Yes. Hey, hey Craig, you, you mentioned that there are other pressing decisions that you had to make. What are, what are some of those decisions? I'm curious. Sure, uh, and, and pressing largely because uh, the the opportunity costs of of waiting on certain decisions uh, increases, right? And so, you know, there are open roles on the major league staff that we're looking to fill. Obviously, we want to kind of jumpstart, uh, you know, construction of the 2024 major league roster, uh, and also as I as I talked about the development of our players off the off season and in the off season, every day is precious. Every day is an opportunity for our players to get better. So. I'm excited to uh, to dig in with our coaching staff, with all of the resources that we have in the office to ensure that we're making the most productive use of this time possible. And just to get a little bit more specific, is that a lot of the talk has been about spending, right? I think um, with with the Red Sox, do you plan on spending this offseason? You know, I, <clears throat> I know that we have uh, some some needs to fill on our major league roster. I think that there are multiple ways to get there, and our job is to take as comprehensive a look as we can at all possible paths there. Yeah, over to your right here. Thank you. I was struck by one of the phrases you used in your intro about um, deploying players in favorable matchups. I'm just curious if you could describe how you foresee the relationship with the coaching staff, with the manager, with Alex making, like, does that mean you would have some influence in, you know, deploying personnel or how do you see that partnership? 
Yeah, so, so that kind of the idea of, of deploying uh, our, our players uh, in, in a way that maximizes positive outcomes by creating the most favorable matchups that we can is, is, is a term you know, that, that, that I would call optimization. Uh, and I think that's synthesizing analytical information. It's synthesizing the real-time feedback that we would be getting from our players and our coaches who are interacting with each other every single day to ensure that we're doing that uh, and making sure that we're not leaving wins on the table. Um, as it relates to, to Alex, uh, you know, unequivocally, he'll he'll be the manager in the 2024 season, uh, and he's someone for whom I have uh, great admiration and appreciation and a longstanding relationship with. We were teammates, uh, you know, back longer than I'd like to remember. Um, but I'm excited to to build that relationship and. You know, to, to answer your question as in the most straightforward way that I can, does it mean that we'll be influencing decision making? Like, yes, and, and so should they, right? This should be in a, a, a partnership in which we're kind of influencing each other. Craig, when you look at uh, the Texas Rangers that just won, they went out and spent a ton of money. They got Seager, Simeon, Avaldi, DeGrom. They took on Max Scherzer's contract. Will you have the ability to? to spend or is there a budget that they set you with? Will you be aggressive this offseason in terms of pursuing uh, players with large contracts that maybe teams want to get rid of, free agents? How will that go about? Sure. So I can start by saying that one thing uh, that became very, very clear through this process was the unwavering commitment to winning uh, from ownership. And so, you know, I think the responsible, the prudent path of a front office operation is to kind of uh, search all corners for those opportunities to, to kind of overturn every stone, to kind of unearth every option. There are multiple pathways to bidding, building sustainable winners, and we need to be willing to, uh, to, to, to run down all of those. Uh, Craig, uh, over uh, on your left, I'm bad at the, uh, the directions there. Um, We've read and seen and, and heard a lot about just how you worked with the, the Cubs pitching development and kind of bringing their minor league system pitching-wise up, up to speed. Obviously, that's a big priority here. And I'm curious just overall your thoughts on sort of um, where the, the Red Sox system is um, pitching-wise at the lower levels and kind of how you foresee bringing that up to speed um, to, you know, help with the sustainable uh, process that you guys want to have here. Sure, and I'm still kind of getting a clearer picture, uh, but I think that there are some great people here, specifically in, in PD leadership, and Paul Taboni and Brian Abraham, and I do have some experience in, in building a pitching infrastructure. It's one that I'm excited to, uh, to, to dig in on. Uh, it's no secret that, that pitching, and specifically starting pitching, is an area of need in this organization, and it's something that we'll kind of shift our focus to. Um, now that the Kind of the other side of the equation here is a really, really exciting, promising group of position players. Craig, as you obviously know, um, the, the club is coming off two last place finishes in a row and three in the last four. In your mind, how close is this team to contending for that status that you talked about, a sustainable championship-driven team? I think this is I think this is a good team that does a lot of things really really well. I also think the opportunities to improve are, are pretty well documented, uh, and you, you know when people think about off season work, and, and this will be a theme that I'll, I'll uh, you know really try to hammer. We talk about generally tend to talk about the acquisition side of things. I think it's really important not to lose sight of the opportunity to develop our players uh, and 
and continue to push those and identify really clear goals and build really detailed and comprehensive plans around them and ensure that we're executing them. Hey, Craig, uh, you, your knowledge and understanding of the analytics side of it, I think, is well established. You also have the lived experience of a player and in the clubhouse. Those two things are sometimes seen as being in conflict, right? I wonder how do you see balancing those two and how does that impact the way you plan to run a front office and, and different voices you'll be listening to? Yeah, so I think great decision makers are great synthesizers of information. Uh, and you know that can look differently for, for different people and particularly at different times. Uh, but I think you know what I would like to, to kind of represent is the ability to weigh different information streams and to engage in conversations with kind of the empathy of all parties. Um, you know the, the experience that I have does give me unique perspective on uh, what it's like to uh, you know kind of endure the challenges of a major league schedule, of a major league family, uh, of a major league coaching staff. Um, I also have a great appreciation for the ability of objective information to remain unbiased and consistent and disciplined. Uh, Craig, to your right again. Um, th there's book smarts, there's experience, there's understanding the city, the history, the expectations, and so forth. I have to assume there's also some gamesmanship and, and the making a deal and how that plays out talking to other general managers and baseball heads in other cities and making just the right trade. Have you been involved in any of that? Have you studied that? Does, does the ability to achieve at a high level come naturally? Can that be learned? Can you address that whole deal-making aspect to your job? Sure. Uh, you know, I think... Um uh, another way to take that question, right, is just to kind of talk about maybe the lack of formal experience I have in, in, a, in a front office and, and, and in a lead decision-making role. Um, I'm ready to take on this challenge. I think the uh, the way that I approach problem solving is is transferable and scalable. I also uh, can point to two things pretty specifically that will help me in this regard. One, the number of talented and experienced people in this front office, and two, the opportunities that I've had to learn from some of the most successful uh, executives and, and people that I would call mentors in this game. Yes, yes. Hey, uh, this question is for Sam. Craig, first of all, congratulations. Uh, Sam, I'd like to ask about working in concert with the chief baseball officer. Has that process, in your opinion, changed over the last two years with Hein Bloom? And how do you see that relationship evolving now with Craig Bristol? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Um, I don't see uh, a change uh, at all. Um, uh, our job in the front office and ownership is to provide resources to baseball operations to support them at every turn, to support Brez, to support AC and what we're trying to achieve, which is um, putting a great product on the field each and every year. Um, we'll, we'll work very closely together, but uh, Brez will make all the baseball decisions, um, which is which is a good, very good thing, I can assure you. Um, and we'll continue to run the business and, and support the baseball operation at every turn. That's why we're here. We're here to, to support the baseball group and make sure uh, we get back where we belong. Hey, Greg, uh, you said Red Sox fans deserve a level of quality and consistency. Obviously, that's been the goal for the last 20 years here. There's been championships, but some valleys. What will be different in regard to your approach, and why do you think that will be successful? Yeah, uh, you know, 
I've, I've worn multiple hats, uh, and, and I think I've got unique perspective. I also think I, I have uh, the willingness and the conviction to make the tough decisions necessary to succeed in this role. Um, you know, I think this is an incredibly appealing opportunity for me, given my history with this organization and, and kind of my, my natural growth curve. Um, I'm incredibly excited to, to take this on and to to, to lean on others in this uh, in this front office, but ultimately, you know what what this is about and what this has always been about is the players. And so, to be able to point to such an exciting group of of young players that are emerging at the big league level and and another kind of wave shortly behind uh, has really positioned this organization to be successful. Craig, um, here. So uh, you've mentioned 2013 a few times for obvious reasons, as it was a great time around here for a lot, a lot, like I said, a lot of reasons. Can you talk about how that experience maybe has shaped you, not only as a player, but in this position? Because as you remember, 2012, you were here for that year. That was 93 losses, last place, and as messy as it probably has been around here in a long time. How that transition and maybe this transition and what you learned in 2013? Sure. I think I would point to... Uh, you know, kind of the, the pillars of healthy organization building being uh, acquisition, development, and optimization, and the complex interactions among those three things. Uh, and so, you know, I think what 2013 told us above all else is, you know, there's uh, heavy lifting and incredible work to be done in a front office in terms of bringing players together and organizing a baseball operation. And then, there's the opportunity to get more out of the group of players that's in the clubhouse every single day. And that's the responsibility of the entire organization. Uh, it's the responsibility of the analytics department to try and uh, identify and leverage competitive advantages of the coaching staff to keep players, uh, you know, kind of moving in the same direction, the performance staff to keep guys on the field. Um, and so, you know, I don't think what I've learned from 2013 is you can't look at any one of those things in isolation, but you have to appreciate uh, the complex interactions of all three. Hi, Craig. Sorry, over here. Um, first of all, congratulations. You played here for Theo Epstein, and then you worked for slash with him in Chicago. Did you speak to him, kind of get his advice or his take when you were going through the hiring process? And has he given you any kind of advice as you take on this role that he previously had? Yeah, so as I had mentioned earlier, the opportunity to um, – to have established very strong relationships and, and lean on people that I would call mentors. I would call Theo one of those people and put him right at the top. Uh, I think that there is much to be learned from anyone who's sat in this seat and, and particularly someone who has had so much success. Um, so yes, I, I spoke to Theo. He's someone that I would call a trusted confidant, a mentor, and, and, and someone from whom I would seek counsel. And I'm immensely appreciative, not just for uh, any of the advice that he's given me through this process, but uh, for his role in, uh, in bringing me into the Cubs and bringing me into the front office for the first time. Craig, uh, at what point did you feel like you had a real chance to land this job? And for Sam, at what point did Craig emerge as somebody that had a real shot? Uh, you know, I can I can only speak for myself. Uh, you know, I saw the uh, the desirability of of this job, um, you know, I 
uh, have immense respect for the people who have done this, for the other candidates uh, who, who were in contention for the position, and for this organization that has become so incredibly meaningful to me and to my family. Um, so, you know, my hope all along was that uh, my candidacy was, uh, you know, was was held in, in high esteem, um, but I, I didn't really know until kind of pretty far in the process, my sense was, uh, you know, kind of given the engagement and, and the themes and the topics of conversation that at least I was taken taken seriously. Uh, and, and then, you know, as we kind of moved into the, the final stages, um, you know, I was overcome with this sense of, you know, despite the fact that I grew up two and a half hours away from here and maybe closer to some, some teams that were based in, in New York as a child, in a lot of ways I was coming home. Right. Yeah, and from uh, from our perspective, um, it was it was easy to reconnect uh, with Brez. Uh, early October, we went to Johnny's Luncheonette in Newton. Uh, wasn't a far drive, and we had a great conversation. But that was just the beginning. Um, it was a sort of reintroduction at that point. Um, there was a very competitive uh, couple week process, uh, and I would say it wasn't until last couple of meetings uh, with John and Tom and Mike. Uh, and myself um, at John's house, where we spent many, many hours uh, making sure um, that we had really dug into the areas that we needed to dig into, uh, which really related to the vision for the department. Um, you heard the areas of focus. Um, and at the end, uh, as I said, Craig emerged as, as the ideal choice for us uh, because of the, the qualities that I listed. Craig, um, I, I realized that you said uh, you said that you're going to take a bit of time to figure out where pitching, how how pitching development might might be implemented. Um, can you just kind of take us through what you feel like you did accomplish with the Cubs um, in terms of helping to improve their pitching infrastructure and performance? And for Sam, uh, piggybacking because that seems like a, an efficient thing to do. Um, how important was pitching development? Uh, the idea of improving that area of the baseball operation in, in the hiring decision. Sure, and I will. Uh, I will try to keep this brief. Um, but, you know, what I what I had mentioned in response to an early earlier question was, you know, in, in my opinion, the kind of transferability or scalability of the work that that uh, I and, and we had done in Chicago, um, you know, as it related to pitching development. Essentially, uh, the the blueprint there was kind of identify the current state, see, uh, you know, exactly. Uh, how we had fared relative to organizations that had earned reputations as being strong uh, pitching development uh, organizations, um, identify where those gaps were and, and, and kind of figure out what we wanted the ideal future state to be and then kind of figure out the, the roadmap to get us uh, to get us there. And ultimately what, what the realization there was is that uh, you know the, the Cubs had an organization that was maybe lacking in kind of the pure stuff, the pure quality of, uh, you know, of, of pitches that could uh, contribute to, to major league success. And so we worked backwards from, you know, understanding what a major league pitching contributor looked like uh, in each of the corresponding minor league levels, knowing that we're, you know, the goal here, the goal anywhere is not to build the most competitive minor league team. It's to build major league value and major league contributors. And, uh, you know, and then we ended up needing to uh, kind of create an overarching philosophy behind that goal uh, and find um, you know, competent, skilled coaches who are able to execute. And, you know, the, the most important takeaway that I've found, um, and I think it's true of pitching development, I think it's true of, of any discipline, is that uh, 
given the size of today's offices, given the ubiquity of information available, uh, it's really easy to get caught up in trying to find the uh, the newest, the rightest, the most current information, when it turns out that getting an organization directionally aligned behind something is far more powerful. And Alex, just to, I guess I'd close out that uh, line of, of thinking with the fact that the Red Sox just have not had um, a great track record with respect to uh, drafting and developing pitching but we know when we've been at our best and winning championships, uh, we've excelled uh, from starting pitching to the back end of the bullpen. And Brez's experience in these areas as, as a player uh, and as a front office uh, executive were incredibly appealing um, and one of the reasons why we identified him initially as a candidate. Sam, uh, we've talked to you uh, at length uh, over the past several years really about just the turnover at the top position in the front office. And I'm just curious, you mentioned it a little bit, but just what about this process? What about Craig? Um, do you think uh, will make this a more stable position kind of going forward? And, and I guess, Craig, to you also, obviously, I'm sure that was a, a factor when you were considering, you know, taking this job. And I'm just curious about um, how much that was on your mind and maybe conversations you had across the league, too, of, of just um, uh, talking with other people in, in, the, in those positions about how, how to handle that. Look, we have high expectations uh, at the Boston Red Sox. We're here to win championships. Um, that has been a theme since December 2001 uh, when John and Tom bought the club uh, from the Yawkey Trust. And uh, we have been uncompromising uncompr um, and disciplined about demanding results uh, across the organization and at the big league level. Uh, Brez knows that. He's up for this challenge. Uh, we're going to do everything in our power. Uh, to, to support him, to support all of baseball operations, um, and, and, and those are the expectations. We, we are aligned uh, in terms of the vision of building, continuing to build. Brez mentioned several times the young core. It's an exciting time to be a, a Red Sox fan. Um, but all the optimism in the world is not going to get us back to where we need to be in October. So um, I, I'll just say that the work needs to begin now. And um, it's, it's really uh, going to be an exciting time as, as Craig takes over, and we're very uh, excited about his arrival. Sure. I think that what I would add there um, is, you know, am I, was I aware of the turnover? Of course. Uh, but, you know, I think if you enter this position trying to hedge, trying to understand, uh, you know, what what it would look like to fail, you're, you're taking the wrong approach. Um, I have confidence in my ability to execute this job, I have confidence in the people uh, in this organization who have successfully executed in in various roles in the past. And uh, you know, one thing that that emerged through this process and spending so much time with John and Tom and Mike and, and Sam uh, is is that resources are not a problem here. The commitment to winning from ownership is not a question here. Uh, and, and we had established a very, key, a very clear alignment on, on vision and very clear uh, calibration on, on where this needs to go. Greg, obviously your background is in pitching. That's who you were. It's what you've done in a front office capacity. But I'm wondering, do you, do you have an operating philosophy about how you want to build a roster? Do you tailor it at all to Fenway and emphasize power? Do you recognize some of the rule changes and the emphasis on 
speed and athleticism the last season. Um, just how does how does a winning team look to you? Is there an is there a consistent philosophy that you're going to um, adhere to? Yeah, and this is not intended to to sound snarky in any way, but but a winning team you know kind of scores more run than the opposition, and I think we you know we need to be anchored to the various pathways that could get us there. Fenway Park is is unique; it presents unique challenges and it presents unique opportunities. We need uh, we need players who can thrive not just uh, you know kind of on this field, but in this environment. Um, certainly, we need to take into account rule changes and the way that uh, you know athleticism and speed can impact the game uh, currently in, in ways that maybe it hasn't over the last 10 years or so. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, scoring runs and preventing runs is always going to be the name of the game. And I think when when you tether yourself to kind of a singular approach there, you lose opportunities um, you know, to, to, to gain competitive advantages. Craig, there's been a lot of talk from former Red Sox players, including some of your former teammates, about a loss of championship culture, just the culture of this team in general. For you, as a native New Englander, someone who already made their home here and played here, what does Red Sox culture mean to you and Boston culture? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think it means a, a standard of, of excellence. Uh, you know, I talked about the the quality and consistency. Um, you know, I think other words that I would throw out as we think about culture and, and how to build it and, and what we're looking to drive here, uh, words like accountability, um, you know, the idea that we're going to push each other to be better tomorrow than we are today, uh, and, and also this uncompromising, unwavering commitment to winning. The good teams that I've been on uh, as a player, the good teams that I've seen from the front office, uh, you know, they all possess this quality of a group of people obsessing over winning. Uh, it's the topic of conversation in everything that they do. Hi, Greg. Greg welcome. Uh, when it comes to the farm system, there's a number of interesting prospects that are coming up, right? Do you have anyone in mind that could attend a uh, necessity for, uh, as soon as 2024? It's, it's probably premature for me to, to weigh in on that. You know, we're starting to have those conversations, and you know, as we think about uh, how to plug holes, um, you know, opportunities to make meaningful improvements on our major league roster, we absolutely can't lose sight of the players in the system who may be able to take a step forward. Um, and you know, for those conversations, we'll rely on a host of people and a host of information, uh, some objective and, and analytically driven, and some from the PD group. Um, and you know, again, the job there is to, uh, is to synthesize all of that information. Craig, it's been a week since the news broke that you got the job. You make your home here. You know how passionate the fans are. So in your day-to-day -day life, whether it's going to the dry cleaner, whether going to the bank or Johnny's, any interesting advice you've gotten from fans out in the community about who to go get and what to do? I'm sure you must have. <laughs> Everyone's got, got opinions, and that's great. Uh, that's, uh, I think that's indicative of a, of a fan base that is – engaged and interested and cares so deeply in this team. Uh, we're not going to be able to execute on every suggestion <laughs> that's made, but uh, you know, to, to the extent that they have merit, we should be listening. <laughs> I've gotten my share. <laughs> Craig, uh, do you believe, obviously, building a World Series, when you guys have talked about the postseason stuff, like, do, do you believe you need star power in order to 
be able to get to your, you all's ultimate goal of winning the, winning the World Series? It's an interesting question in, in, in that it's, it's a bit circular, right? Um, you know, typically World Series teams have players that perform particularly well and, you know, they kind of create their own stardom. Uh, so I think in some respects it's kind of a chicken or egg argument, but, you know, there are certain constraints we have to deal with. We have to deal with, right? There, there are roster constraints. Um, you know, we, we can't have more than 40 guys on a 40-man roster. You know, we've got limitations to the active roster. And so, you know, what we're trying to do is consolidate or aggregate talent to the extent that we, we possibly can. Craig, to follow up on that, you've said several times that you're convinced of the organization's uh, desire to win and to pursue all avenues of that. If there were a player at the top of the market as a free agent that you felt like would make a difference here, are you confident that you could put forth, you know, the best financial effort to get that kind of player? Uh, I, I don't see financial resources as a, as a limiting factor. Um, I think that's something that was was clear in the conversations that we had. Now, obviously, we have to kind of line up on a number of, of variables here, interest and fit uh, among two of them. Um, but you know. Like I said, the you know kind of the refrain that I will I will keep hammering through these conversations is there's a uh, a relentless interest in in winning from all parties here. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Um, obviously, you mentioned pitching is an important area. Uh, can you pinpoint another area that the roster needs to improve in? Obviously, defense was an issue with this team. Uh, you know, this past year. Yeah, and, and and again, without you know, kind of delving too deeply into specifics, as I do have quite a bit to, to learn over the next few weeks. Starting pitching certainly stands out as as an area of need. Uh, you know, defense, um, and I think you know, certain players coming back from injury and, and, and being able to solidify uh, you know, kind of middle infield defense will will add to that. I think there are some guys internally that we're excited about that may be able to take a step forward, uh, but that's certainly one. Um, you know, if you kind of look at the overall construction of, of the roster, there's the possibility that, you know, maybe we can, we can uh, add, add a, a right-handed bat to even out some of the kind of platoon um, asymmetry. But beyond that, I think, the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out over the coming weeks. Craig, how important is it to you, and this is something Sam's talked about a lot, to lock up young players on pre-arb extensions or early extensions to gain that control early? Sure. Um, you know, we, we want to keep highly productive, talented players in Red Sox uniforms for as long as we, we possibly can. Um, you know, and, and, and some of those are players that are currently on our major league roster. It's something that, you know, I would have interest in, in engaging in. Um, you know, the more kind of certainty that we can have, uh, the, the, the more uh, efficient we can be um, when, we, when we look externally. Any additional questions? With that, that concludes today's press conference. Thank you all for joining us. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.